welcome to From the Preacher's Study, uh, another episode of our podcast. We're so very glad to have our audience and people with us as we make our way through the book of Ephesians. Uh, we've enjoyed uh, studying God's Word, always as a treasure trove of biblical wisdom and a prescription for good living, and ultimately a roadmap for us to get to heaven. And uh, we believe firmly that the Word of God is, as uh, the Hebrew writer says, living and powerful, able to uh, really pierce the soul and the difference in spirit and really make a difference in people's lives. And so that's what we're doing here. Not, not anything fancy and uh, not trying to put on any drama or theater, but we really believe when you expose yourself to the Word of God, it is life-changing, it is life-altering uh, if you are receptive to the Word, obviously contingent upon your attitude. Uh, my name is Kevin Clark, and I, along with Bob Hutto, who's the preacher here at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ, are conducting this podcast. And as we've said before, we've worked together for quite some time now uh, not just in the podcast, but even before, based on some COVID-19 related uh, restrictions we had. And it's just been a pleasure to, to work together with you in God's Word, laboring together in the kingdom. I uh, want to thank uh, our brothers, Jason Reed, Mark Townsend, deacons here, who always help us with this program. Could not do this without their sacrifice and the lending of their talents. We thank their families who mm -hmm. support us and support them and what they're doing. And just, just delighted to have this opportunity. Do you have a few introductory remarks? Just glad to be here. Want to welcome everybody to the podcast tonight. Hope that it's beneficial for you. Yes. Been discussing the family and yes. very important uh, Bible subject. God does have something to say about the family. God has uh, a design for the mm -hmm. family. And it's to our advantage to respect what God says right. about it. That's right. And so God, God, God doesn't want to bind us and restrict us and somehow penalize us or, mm -hmm. or put us at a disadvantage. He, he wants us to enjoy life and knows Amen. that that's if right. we live life within his teaching, right. well, that's going to be what's best for us. And right. so whatever God has to say, whether it's for us as individuals or in the family, we know that it's for our good. good always, so we yeah, want to learn yeah. that and we want to apply it and, and we'll reap the benefit for it. Amen. Amen. I think about 1 Timothy 4 talking about godliness as the promise of the life that now is and the life that is to come. So as you say, when we do things God's way, that's the best way to do it. So well, let's dive uh, back into the text. We were looking at Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. And one of the interesting things about this text is that it, it, the, really, the focal point is really verse 32 when he says, this is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Now, certainly there is very applicable and important biblical teaching about the relationship between a man and wife, but let's don't get the cart before the horse. The, the writer assumes you understand the relationship between Christ and the church. That's very important. That's central. And if you understand that relationship, then and only then can you truly understand what the relationship between a husband and wife ought to be. And so you see over and over again, there is this comparison of, Here's how Christ relates to the church. Here's how the church relates to Christ. Guess what? That's the way the husband ought to relate to the wife, and the wife should relate to the husband. Uh, the other interesting thing is, and you made this point last time, is the vast majority of the teaching is directed to husbands. Did you notice that? And very little directed to wives. It doesn't in any way diminish the importance of that. But I just think as husbands, we ought to take note that a lot of this addresses us. And so we are told, for example, in verse 23, the husband is head of the wife, is also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Uh, look in verse 25, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, uh, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Verse 28, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Skip down, verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And one of the things that jumps out at you is how many times he says, Husbands, you love your wives. Obviously, that's very important. And there's a lot of implications to that. First of all, it is something that can be commanded. Uh, sometimes people talk about, well, I, they, they have this kind of ethereal notion of love. You just kind of an emotional state. You fall in, you fall out. And here's the Bible saying, no, you husbands love your wives. You have an obligation repeatedly doing that. And if you were wondering, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? You don't have to worry because he says, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That is the greatest demonstration of love. That's the greatest instruction manual for husbands. Here is Jesus who was always attentive to others, always attentive to the church, who came to establish the church, who gave his own life for the church. That is a great manifestation of love, and that is the kind of love that we're to have for our wives. We're attentive to our wives. We're concerned about their interests. We put their interests ahead of our own. Think about Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, not my will, but thy will be done. There was a part of him that didn't want to go through the crucifixion, but he knew the greater good of what was going to happen. And so he put aside his own desire and did what was supposed to be done. That's what a husband needs to do. Sometimes we have to put aside our desires. Maybe we want to spend our time one way. Maybe we want to spend our money a certain way. Maybe we want to be involved in certain... We've got to put those things aside. What does my wife need? What does my wife want? How can I please my wife? Being very attentive. Because if we're those kind of sacrificial husbands, there's a phrase for it, he's sacrificial, like Christ was. He was willing to give of himself. That's what husbands need to do, have that sacrificial love, thinking about their wives, attentive to their needs. So husbands, I challenge you. Have you been, and I'm challenging myself, have you been actively thinking about your wife's needs? What does she want? What does she need? What would help her grow? What would help her develop her spirituality? What would help her promote her relationship with God? What would help her fulfill her God-given potential? Do we think about those things or are the opposite? We're just selfish. We're thinking about ourselves and what we want to do. That's not what we see when he says, you love your wife as Christ loves the church. There was nothing selfish about Christ's love. Bob, you got some things to say on that? Well, you've triggered several thoughts. I, I thought about Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 3. Mm -hmm. You know, the church is, is an overarching theme of the book of, of Ephesians. Mm -hmm. we, we read about the church in, in different places. Uh, verse mm -hmm. 25 of chapter 1, He put all things in subjection under His feet, gave Him to be head over all things to the church. Mm -hmm. And then chapter 3, verse 10, <clears throat> that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church right. to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. And then... Chapter 321, to him be gl the glory in the church. Mm -hmm. So Paul's talking about the church That's in right. the book of Ephesians. That's right. So it's one of the, the overarching themes. And the relationship between husband and wife mirrors That's right. or reflects That's right. the relationship between Christ and the church. That's and right. so I'm talking to you about the church. Right. And you can see the same principles at work in a husband-wife relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, another thought. You hear so many times today, people say, well, you can't help who you love. Mm -hmm. you, have you heard that I before? have heard that, absolutely. You can't help who you love. Mm -hmm. No, you can't. Exactly. You can't help who you love. <laughs> right. As you said a moment ago, right. we're com husbands are commanded exactly right. to love their wives. And when you yeah. understand what biblical love right. is, exactly. it's really making a commitment to the well-being of right. another. That's right. Even if it is costly to yourself, exactly. even if they don't deserve it. Yes, yes. That's biblical yes, love. Yes. God so loved the world, right. he gave his son. 
It was costly to right. him. It was a decision that he made, uh -huh. and uh, we were not worthy of that Absolutely. love. And so, can you help who you love? Yeah, yeah. you sure can. Absolutely. If you're if you're practicing true scriptural Bible love. Amen. And one of the things I like about that point you made is these obligations, of course, you know, we're talking about husbands this time. They're not dependent. They're independent. So in other words, I as a husband have an obligation to love my wife as Christ loves the church, regardless of whether she reciprocates, regardless of whether she submits to me as uh, a wife should submit to, as uh, the church submits to Christ. That doesn't matter. So if you have a, and I'm not I'm saying, but to, sometimes people will say, well, yeah, I would be the husband I ought to be if she were the wife that she needs to be. That's not what Ephesians 5 talks about. You be what Christ was to the church. Because think about it. Christ is to us. We were, he loved us and died for us when we were enemies, according to Romans 5. We were unlovable. And so if Christ loves us that much, it's not dependent upon how well the object of the love treats me. And so for the husband... If you feel like your wife is not being what she ought to be and she's not fulfilling, you know what? You love her like Christ loved her because that's exactly what Christ does. And love wins out in the end. If you want to change somebody's heart, you demonstrate the love of God and that will change your home. There are three times in the passage where Christ is set forth as the standard. Mm -hmm. And so look at that verse 23. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. Verse right. 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church Amen. and gave himself up for her. And then verse 29, no one ever hated his flesh, his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just this as Christ the Lord, does the, the church. church. Christ right. is the standard. Amen. And so as husbands, we need to think, am I, do I love my wife right. as Christ loved the church? Yes. Do, I am I, do I cherish my wife right. as Christ cherishes the church? Am I nourishing my wife mm -hmm. as Christ mm -hmm. nourishes the church? Christ is the standard. Yes. Not not any human being. That's right. Not other husbands. Right. Not you know the worthiness of your wife. Right. You be a husband. You be to your wife as a husband, as Christ is to the church. Amen. You know, and we talked a little bit about this last time. Think about there today. You have a lot of people talking about. Well, let's just eliminate these roles, and we don't want gender-based roles. And or if we want to have roles, we're going to switch them around. And if you understand this relationship between Christ and the church, let's see how it works in that context. Do we have the ability to say, you know what, we're just going to strip uh, any authority between Christ and the church. We're going to make the Christ uh, make Christ equal to the church. Or worse yet, we're going to make, instead of Christ being the head over the church, we're going to make the church the head over Christ. Well, that's nonsense, ludicrous. But it ought to be equally ludicrous for us to say, you know what, we're going to disregard biblical teaching about the roles in the family, and we're just going to eliminate those roles. There won't be a head. Or, by the way, we're going to make the woman the head and the husband be subject to. That's not what the Bible says. We don't have any uh, in, a basis to change one as we do the other. Well, let me ask you a question, Kevin. Uh, we, we've talked about husbands being the head of the wife, mm -hmm. and we talked about wives being subject to her husbands. Uh, is there any limit to that? I mean, right. is the husband just the dictator and, no. and the boss, and you do what I tell you to do regardless? No, not at all, because ultimately our relationship with God trumps everything. And so if a husband were ever to say something or ask something or demand something of his wife, that is contrary to God's will, she absolutely has no obligation whatsoever. In fact, she has an obligation to disobey that. Why? Because God is greater than man. We ought to obey God rather than man. Acts 5.29, remember Peter and the apostles said that in response to the Jewish authorities. He told them to quit teaching in the name of Jesus. And Peter made it very clear, we're going to continue to teach in the name of Jesus. Why? Because we have to obey God more so than we obey you. Even though they had some authority, they were Jewish authorities, but not to the extent that they can nullify the power of God. And so 
if a husband were to say, don't go to services, don't read your Bible, uh, you know, don't be kind, don't control your anger, all of that is illegitimate. Why? Because God trumps that man. And hopefully you don't have a man that tries to do that. But if you do, know that your obligation to God is always superior to that of any earthly relationship, including that of the husband. You know, in our, in our culture, we marry for romantic love. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you love someone, you spend time with them, that love grows and develops, and, and you marry. And mm -hmm. so uh, this, this uh, love provides a basis for your relationship. But not all marriages That's in the true. world throughout time have been that way. That's right. Uh, sometimes it's an economic yeah. situation where uh, a, a woman needs a man to provide for her and mm -hmm. to, to provide herself uh, safety and a home. A man may want children, and so they marry, not, not for love, but for uh, less romantic sure. reasons. That's right. What, what about that kind of situation? How does this teaching apply in a situation the like that? teaching still applies. They must actively love each other. They must fall into these roles. And in fact, I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and uh, no, regardless of how they came together, you know, here is a definition of what love is. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. And what I'm going to do is, every place it says love, I'm going to replace it with husbands. And so, husbands suffer long and are kind. Husbands do not envy. Husbands do not parade themselves. Husbands are not puffed up. Husbands do not behave rudely. Husbands do not seek their own. Husbands are not provoked. Husbands think no evil. Husbands do not rejoice in iniquity. Husbands rejoice in the truth. Husbands bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. Love never fails. And so, that is an active command. These are the characteristics that you have to show regardless of why you got in that relationship. You have to be kind. You have to look out for her interests. You have to lead her as Christ leads the church. You have to be attentive to her needs. You have to nourish. You have to cherish her regardless of why you came together. Once you come together, you're brought together by God. You're one flesh. That's, right. That's the obligation you have. You know, sometimes when we talked about this last in our last uh, podcast, uh, sometimes people distort the teaching of the Bible. They, they right. have an agenda. And if they respond to what the Bible says, they know that there are people out there who respect the Bible mm -hmm. and want to live by its teaching. And so they'll, they'll pick a statement here and a statement there, and they distort the Bible teaching and make it something that it isn't. Right. And so they might read a passage like this and suggest, well, you see, the, the Bible gives a, a man the right to domineer mm -hmm. a woman mm -hmm. and to, to be a tyrant and a dictator not over her. Not that's all. not the biblical not picture all. at all, is it? And no, so that's a distortion Amen. of what the Bible says. And so in the Bible, you have a husband who loves his wife. Mm -hmm. He will give everything for that's his right. wife, just like Christ gave his all for the church. Right. And in, in return, a husband or a wife helps him, supports him. That's right. Uh, and uh, is a benefit to him. And they work together. Right for the benefit of the family, for yes. the husband's benefit, the wife's benefit, the children's benefit. And so if you're going to you've got to refer to Scripture, at least get it right. Amen. You know, at Amen. least uh, have the, the integrity to uh, reflect what it actually teaches. Amen. And for the husbands out there, if you feel like your home is not what it ought to be, if you don't have the right That's atmosphere, right. you don't think the love is there like it should be, let me tell you, the buck stops here. You be what you're supposed to be. Because remember, you're the leader. Yeah. You set the tone That's for right. the family. And so to the extent the family is failing, guess whose fault it is? It's my fault. So you love your wife the way Christ loves the church, and watch how God's plan will work. Because that love is infectious. That love is going to change things. And what woman is not going to want to subject herself to a man 
who loves her so much and so attentive to her needs, who puts her needs above his own, that he's willing to even give the ultimate sacrifice, his own life, for her. You tell me what wife does not want to respect that kind of husband. That's right. Well, it looks like we've run out of time, haven't we? We always do this. Uh, well, we really appreciate the time that we've spent together. And this is a very important topic about husbands and wives. As you see, so many breakdowns in the family, and we need to reverse those trends. Uh, if you're in a married relationship, um, please look at the scriptures. Christ is a standard. We talked about this. We've talked about husbands. We talked about wives in the last podcast. Uh, we have everything we need, all the tools we need <clears throat> to be what we ought to be to each other. And as I say, and I know Bob does the same thing when he counsels, pe- uh, counsels people getting into marriage, you know, make God's Word the center of your relationship. If, if you're both beholden to God's Word, if you both respect the authority of Scriptures, there is no way that that relationship can fail because you've always got an answer to every problem. It doesn't matter what comes your way, illness, disease, uh, loss of job, uh, difficulty, you've got an answer. It's this manual that God has given for us. Here's how a man and woman ought to interact with each other in the confines of holy matrimony. You follow that playbook, and there'll be a lot of success and a lot of joy in your life as God intended it. Any other thoughts you have? No, we're going to go on next uh, next time to begin Chapter 6 and talk Great. about ch- children and parents, so more teaching about the home next Amen. time. Amen. Well, as we always do, we want to end with a word of prayer. Would you like to lead us sure. in a word of prayer? Thank you. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful that you've revealed your word to us. We're thankful that it's the perfect plan for our lives, uh, that when we uh, respect your will and we uh, put it into practice and follow what you teach us, that we benefit here and now and that our lives are much more orderly and, and, and much more successful. Uh, above all of that, Father, your word prepares us for the life to come. We pray, Father, that uh, we'll study your word and learn what you would have us to do and learn what you would have us to be so that we can enjoy that eternal life that you've laid up for us. Father, help those of us who are husbands to be better husbands, uh, to, to think about uh, the way we're living our lives, the way we relate to our wives and to our, our children if we're fathers. And we pray, Father, that, that you'll help us to be better husbands and better fathers, that we'll look to the example of Christ and we'll model his behavior in our own lives. We pray, Father, for those who are our wives to help them be better wives in their relationship with their husbands, to look into your word and to see what it has to say. And if they fall short, we pray, Father, that each one of us husbands, wives, men, women, that we will strive to strengthen those areas where we fall short. Our Father, always help us to look to your Son as our example that we might follow in his steps. We know where those footsteps lead. They lead into your presence. And Father, that's what we're praying for, that we'll conduct ourselves in a way so that we'll have a home in heaven with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.